Um, I also think that while the internet has been great in helping spread these messages and really rally support, it's also fostered this kind of culture that is focused on calling out people and racists and shaming them in public and pointing the finger at anyone that doesn't have the same views as you. So when you yell racism or call someone a racist, you actually aren't fixing the problem and you won't be able to do it that way. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. This one actually marks our last guest interview of the year. Well, our Balance Theory calendar year anyway. I know you've probably heard me say that at the start of every episode for the last few weeks, but I am super excited. One year is a big milestone. I don't know. I never really thought when I started the podcast, you know, what it would look like in one year's time. I just sort of ran with it, but I'm super excited to still be doing this. So thanks for being on the journey with me and thanks for choosing to spend the next half an hour to an hour with me. I've just spent the weekend in Brisbane or Bris Vegas, as they call it. Actually, at the start of the year, we carved out two weekends, one in sort of the first quarter. So that was the May weekend just passed and one in September. And we said, right, we're not booking anything in those weekends. We're going away, like unless a wedding or something pops up. So that was a good little tactic we did because we're both super busy. And, you know, I feel like if you don't dedicate or carve out that time, it just gets away and you always say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go away. And then it never happens. So super glad we did that. It's always nice to have a little reset, especially as a couple and one that lives together as well. You know, you can sometimes ride off time that you just see each other at night after work as spending time together. But it's really not always quality time, especially if you're both still ruminating over your day or still actually have work to do. So make sure you're always carving out those moments to spend quality time with your partner or your friends or any loved ones and really decipher between just seeing them or spending quality time with them. That's something I always have to be conscious of. Anyway, on to our gorgeous guest today. This was the first guest duo I had on, which is super exciting and it was fun. I've got the gorgeous Sharon and Juna on from Crazy Biatch Asians. So that's their own podcast, which I've linked in the show notes below. But essentially they discuss on their potty the issues that Asians can face in the Western world with a super critical mind. And they always have great healthy debates on there on a range of topics. The girls are both incredibly warming, intelligent and funny. And I was really glad to have this conversation with them today because I feel like in a world where we speak about balance or in our little world here where we talk about our own personal balance, that really is only a fraction of it because we're all humans living in a shared world. And so to never have a conversation about the balance in our society or across our communities, I think would be totally ignorant and missing half the picture. So today, Sharon and Juna share with me their thoughts on the current landscape of racism towards Asians. So obviously in the media lately, especially there's been quite a bit about Asian hate and Asian hate crimes. And that's not a topic I'm personally well-versed or educated in. And it's an area I feel we can always do better by gaining more awareness and knowledge. So I'm super grateful the girls took the time to chat and educate me today. And I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Some of the things we go into is at what point does racism become insidious? What role does politics have to play in that? How we can actually humanize our prejudices. So a lot of the things you might think and feel, you may not label as racist because it's just sort of the way you've always been raised or just the conversation that always flowed in your household. But it's really when we bring awareness to these things that we can start to do better. 
On that note, we also have a little bit of a chat about things people can actually do to circumvent racism in the community. So I take a little bit of issue with the fact that a lot of people will jump on the social media bandwagon and do a lot of posts and stories when these things come to full speed in the media. But my question to those people is, what are they actively doing in their personal lives? Now, this is to throw no shade, obviously, on people creating awareness online. Obviously, it's an incredible tool, one at our disposal, and it costs us nothing to do so. However, that needs to align with how you behave in society. How much empathy are you extending to other people? At what point are you stepping into conversations and making educated comments? Those sorts of things. And the girls also share some pretty heart-wrenching personal experiences that they've recently and in their upbringing had with racism. So I do want to thank them for being so candid and open. Of course, this is exactly how they present on their podcast. So if you do love everything you hear today, definitely jump over and give that one a listen. Something a little bit different to close off the year, but I hope you guys love it. Feel free to take a screenshot, tag myself and the girls. Let us know what your biggest takeaway was. And without further ado, let's dive straight in. Oh, and a parting comment. I had a little bit of construction going on in the neighboring apartments at the time. So apologies if you hear any of that throughout the episode, but I promise you the content's worth it. All right, let's jump in. Sharon and Juna, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's so lovely to have you both on today. So lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Now you're my first uh, duo guest, so we'll have to see how it goes with the three of us in the one combo, but I'm super excited to have you girls on because I think what we're going to speak about today is not only super important, but it's not actually a topic I've dived into much on the podcast. So for everyone listening, Sharon and June actually run their own podcast. They kicked it off start of last year called Crazy Biatch Asians. And I would love for you girls to tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you started the podcast and what sort of steered you, you know, to kickstart the podcast and the topics you girls dive into. So before the podcast, we both worked in digital media. So Juna from a journalism editorial point of view and myself in digital marketing. Yeah. And then we wanted to kick this off because we just wanted to shed light on Asian issues and increase Asian voices in Australia media. We saw there was a gap and we wanted to fill that. So essentially we wanted to create a space that Asians can go to to feel seen and understood. And then for those who are non-Asian, um, our podcast can be a place to learn about the issues facing Asians. So we refer to our podcast as a culture podcast for Asians living in the West. And we cover topics that relate mostly to the Asian diaspora. And we talk about things from culture and identity to entertainment to love and dating. And each episode sort of covers a different issue from Asian hate crimes to bamboo ceiling to tiger mothers. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And the reason I was drawn not only to the podcast, but you girls is because as a non-Asian, you know, living in a country where racism is abundant, shall we say, I think it's super important to understand how we interact with these topics and, you know, and how we can support our local community members as well. So I'm super excited to have you both on today. And I guess to kick it off, 
Can we chat a little bit about what the current landscape in, so we're going to keep it specific to Australia. Obviously, that's where we're both based. We're all in Sydney. Um, What does it actually look like today? Because I recall listening to one of your podcasts and I really love the whole double standard point. So, you know, when there's an economic crisis, uh, the world calls on Asians for their skill and labor. But then as we see something like the coronavirus, when the shoe's on the other foot, you know, and they go, there's a blame game, shall we say. So I want to ask you girls, as two Asians living in the West, what does the current landscape look like? Um, I think I want to start off by saying that um, I believe we live very lucky and generally accepting countries. Sort of on the whole, Australia is quite an open society. Um, But that being said, I do think we have race issues here. And I personally have experienced casual racism and general racist remarks. So you've got the few bad eggs who say the generic line, go back to your own country, or who randomly goes up to any Asian and says, ni hao, and mocks the language, even if the recipient isn't Chinese. Um, But I think off of that, the discrimination becomes a lot more insidious when it's systemic and in broader politics. Um, For example, Australia does have a history of the white Australia policy, which does reappear in the current politics of, say, Pauline Hanson and One Nation, you know, like the classic we're being swamped by Asians line. Um, And like you said, in much of Australian politics, you know, we find it ironic when borders open to skilled immigrants when Australia is in a bad way economically. So personally, that's what happened to my parents. We were able to immigrate and settle here very easily um, in the early 2000s. But often once the economy is booming again, the borders seem to be closed again and there's anti-immigration rhetoric like Asians stealing our jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And do you girls have any uh, personal stories that you would feel comfortable sharing of, of direct racism? Because I think it's, you know, I think off the back of, Black Lives Matter last year, you hear and see all these things, um, especially when it's, you know, happening overseas. And, you know, in my direct circles, for example, it's not something that is rampant, shall we say, in my day-to-day experience. And and that's not to say I'm going to be ignorant and, and, you know, assume that it doesn't happen at all. But I suppose I'm just curious to know in your two day-to-day experiences, what sort of racism you experienced either growing up or to date? So personally speaking, growing up, I, you know, did receive the occasional racist comments from people like go back to your country and kids in the playground will make nasty comments and pull those slanted Asian eyes at you. Um, Because of this, I did grow up quite unhappy with my identity, which is why I always wanted to change myself. But thank God, as I've matured, that mindset has changed. Um, But I remember specifically when the COVID outbreak occurred, uh, I did have a few instances in supermarkets where people would walk into an aisle and see me and then turn back the other way around because they thought I carried the virus. And my dad also received some pretty nasty comments from people when he was out grocery shopping. And he came here with $50 in his pocket when he was 15 years old all by himself and he's managed to build a business and a fa- raise a family. So it's just a bit strange seeing those things pop out when issues like the coronavirus targeted towards Asians appear. Yeah. Absolutely. I know, Sharon, you've also had um, a recent 
personal experience as well. So did you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so going off of the whole coronavirus, um, the racism stemming from that, uh, there was something quite big that happened um, to my family and myself. So recently, my family, my mum my specifically, received a two-page long racist letter um, in which this anonymous sender just literally went to town on Asians. <laughs> um, for context, this was sent during the peak of the Asian hate crimes in the US, which is still actually going on. And the anti-China sentiment sparked by COVID-19 did reach our shores as well. So I'll just read some of the letter out now. I'm obviously not going to read the whole thing, but just a little snippet. So here we go. And this is all in caps. <laughs> you are the dirtiest kind of people in the world. You brought over your Chinese diseases with you, but you want to ignore the fact that it is all your fault. Take a hint, you are not fucking welcomed in this country. I do not give a fuck if you are born here or not. You are the Chinese infested disease and pests of society. So the letter is about a thousand words to that effect. It's just all of that in caps, basically. Horrific. And and to think, you know, people have the audacity to not only, I mean, this was published and sent to so many people in parliament, right? Because that's where your, you know, your mum obviously works in office somewhere like that. Um I just think it's incredible and and to have a conversation about balance you know a lot of a lot of my podcast is based on the individual's uh, sense of balance, but I think that would be very exclusionary if we didn't speak about balance in society and you know if we look at a lot of the demographic of say Sydney where where we both live, like there are a lot of Asian people here and so if the majority of people adopt the personality or the opinion of the person writing that letter, you can only imagine what kind of society we would live in. But I think for me, what what prompted me to really reach out to you girls as well is I think there's a really subliminal uh, level of racism as well. That's not as explicit as what's in that letter, but definitely underpins a lot of these uh, major, I guess, opinions that circulate in society. So if we look at something like the way Donald Trump say incites racist comments. So when I think I think this has all really come to a head, especially with the coronavirus and it being like the China virus and those sorts of comments, you know, if people are already carrying these subliminal uh, opinions or, or small things that they don't consider to be racist, one I can think of the top of my head maybe is the whole, uh, you know, like racist comments like they don't know how to drive or like you said, like when when you're at school, you experienced like people pulling the eyes at you and stuff like that. When those are all embedded in society and then you have a world leader making a comment like that, it's quite impactful and I think detrimental to the balance that we have in our society. And so my question is, how can people seek sort of neutral information when we do have world leaders like this making comments like that? How can people actually be more educated when it comes to it? I think often education and empathy can really go hand in hand and um, inform and change people's mindsets. So in terms of education, it's really exposing yourself to that racial minority. It doesn't have to be Asians. It could be anyone, any racial minority. Um, Maybe go out of your way to befriend someone, chat to someone. Do you have a neighbour, a colleague, friend of a friend? And a lot of the education can actually come from personal connections with people like this. Mm. Um, But on the other hand, I do think racial issues can be minimised if we all apply empathy. 
So perhaps turn it on yourself. Think if this tide of hate was turned towards my own community, would I like it? Um, I, I often think about race in this way. There's the personal and there's the political. And perhaps someone has read that the virus originated in China. I mean, sure, that is a big political issue. Let's look into that objectively, find some answers, etc. But does it really make sense to find some random Asian on the street and berate or attack them for that? I mean, an individual person can't be blamed for the larger actions of the government. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, Anglo-Australians were randomly being attacked for the actions of SCOMO? Yes. Yeah. I Off the back of Sharon's point, yes, empathy is definitely a crucial tactic. Um, I also think that while the internet has been great in helping spread these messages and really rally support, it's also fostered this kind of culture that is focused on calling out people and racists and shaming them in public and pointing the finger at anyone that doesn't have the same views as you. So when you yell racism or call someone a racist, you actually aren't fixing the problem and you won't be able to do it that way. You're just causing more aggression and conflict amongst everyone. And so it's a matter of just thinking before you speak, write or post. And I think it's also really important to note that we as human beings are so easily influenced. So we conform to the norms of groups and society just to gain acceptance. And no one wants FOMO. So we grow up learning from adults and people who have social status like Donald Trump and these media agencies. Like I remember last year in the like the Herald Sun and Sydney Morning Herald, they had headlines splashed across the front pages like yellow peril and Chinese China pandemonium or something like that. And you, of course, you're going to believe those people because they carry such social status. Mm. And it's so then it's a matter of having better conversations and these people who hold power, they need to change the way that they think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all the comments being made, like, of course, what we're focusing on today is the Asian hate and the discrimination that's been quite rampant of recent. But I think we can apply it not only to this, but to, uh, you know, any sort of discrimination in general. And I really love the second point there about like, it's almost like not adding fuel to the fire. So it's definitely like being educated, um, posting if you want to, but if you're then adding fuel to either side of the argument, that's not really helping anyone. It's just like propelling the war, shall we say. I've always had this sort of issue with like social media because you feel like, you know, you're going to share headlines and, and arguments. Like, for example, now there's a lot going on um, in the Middle East with, with Palestine, for example. And a lot of my friends are, are quite articulate about it. And I think like I definitely I read about it and I want to educate myself on it. But then I think is me really sharing something on social media enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I always have this this strange like, well, is that actually achieving anything? So one thing I actually wanted to ask you girls, do you have any uh, thoughts on any common things that people do that are racist that they could be a little bit ignorant to? Because I think it's when we start changing our behaviours or bringing that awareness to what we're doing day to day. And look, I'm like hand on heart open that the fact that I could be, you know, guilty of some of these things, but it's all about bringing awareness to those behaviors. And then the small changes, you know, become intergenerational. And then that's when posting a story and beyond makes the the big changes. I think firstly, it needs to be said that ignorance can't 
be an excuse for racism anymore. Absolutely not. Because, like, really, you should you should know not to say these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, there are things like greeting anyone who looks Asian and who has the traits of, um, like, the black hair and the pale skin um, with the classic knee out. Don't just assume that everyone is Chinese. Um, 100%. 100%. And also, also going off of that, when people make comments like, where are you from? And then you answer, and wow, your English is really good. Yeah. To somewhat imply that, oh, you know, like Asians can't speak English. Um, they're amazed that you can speak better English than them. Exactly. And I think there are also little things in childhood that lots of us um, kind of thought were normal but then now as adults, you look back and you're like, wow, that, that was actually quite problematic. So I suppose a good example would be when Asians sort of bring our um, cultural food to school and like we bring dumplings, we bring noodles or whatever, and you get made fun of in the schoolyard, like, oh, that stinks, that's disgusting. But then now sort of it's so trendy to go to like dumpling restaurants and K-barbecue. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, dumplings. And it's like, well, we kind of got bullied for it back in the day, but now it's a trend. So how do you negotiate that? I mean, that's not, you know, outwardly super racist, but it's just little things like that where, you know, as kids, you're like, oh, I was made fun of it. But now it's it's in, it's trend. Mm. Yeah, I think bringing awareness once you understand an issue or understand that it is an issue, you know, and it's, it's something that you and your day-to-day actions can make a small impact upon, that's when we see things happening. But I'm curious, if we're, say, looking at the balance in our society, and, and I'm not going to ask you girls to comment on every single race there is, but what, how would you describe the current landscape with, within the Asian community and, and the rest of, you know, the Australian population? Interesting question, definitely. Um, My take on this would be, I think at times we like to think of the Asian community as something that's super unified, but really there is tension and there is friction between the Asian community um, altogether. There's different Asian nations. There's, um, you know, East Asian, South Asian, Southeast Asian. And when we lot of also what's happened historically, um, that has caused this tension. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when we talk about sort of tackling um, racism against Asians, I think the Asian community even needs to band together even better mm-hmm. because at times it can be quite fractured. And so then it's sort of how do we balance society, but also the Asian community also kind of needs to look inwardly, sort of how do we balance ourselves first in a way. So it yeah. goes two ways. Mm. Yeah, it's that's not less- only putting it on Western society to fix themselves. It's also the Asian community as a whole that also needs to be proactive themselves. Yeah, yeah. no, that's this really interesting point, actually. And look, it's probably a, a big ask the question, you know, how can you achieve balance uh, in a society? Because you'll always have friction, whether it's to do with race, whether it's to do with wealth or, you know, this gender, there's so many different other uh, societal issues. And so I appreciate the difficulty of that question. Uh, but but I absolutely love that you've said that, you know, because I think we all have a responsibility, Asian or not Asian, you know, racist, non-racist, whatever you are, like to be empathetic and respectful of other people that's really what this all comes down to because at the end of the day like 
I'm never going to know, you know, how you, how you girls experience school, how you experience being in a supermarket aisle, how your mum felt when she got that letter. I'm never going to understand what that's going to feel like. And so I can only empathize from a point of knowledge or I guess a point of awareness. And, and that just really comes down to respecting one another. But um, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I do think after COVID, there were a lot of uh, subconscious things that were really ingrained in, in most people's minds. I think because it was such a drastic world problem, everyone was just looking for someone to blame you know, and facts are facts. Uh, you know, they say it originated in Wuhan and then you, you read other things that say, you know, it was in the sewage canals of Milan two years before that. And, you know, no one actually knows the facts. I'm sure in 50, hundred years, we might know, but, um, I think pulling apart personal and political, like what you said before, Sharon, I think is, is a really key distinction and one we can apply not only to, you know, racist societal things just in life in general, you know, are you, are you attacking something personally from a political standpoint and vice versa? So a really, really important thing to understand, but I guess moving forward, what, what do you girls see for the future of, I guess, society or or this sort of issue, which has been more prevalent of late? I think I read somewhere that the best way to overcome your racial prejudices is really to expose yourself to that race. So if you have a prejudice against X race, the best way is to go out there, meet members of that community, become friends with them. And really from there, you can actually understand their way of life, their mindset. You humanize that entire race rather than it being a newspaper headline can see this is my neighbor who has these challenges has these personal issues they are human just like me so the future really is what you've said it's really to empathize and to respect and understand each other and that we all have our trials and tribulations I suppose and you know we're all humans in this world like one bad egg doesn't represent a whole race yeah yeah absolutely absolutely there's literally like empathy is the fastest way to learn something and like you said like if if anyone listening has let's just stick because we're speaking about um asian racism if you have you know an asian friend or family or colleague that you're particularly friendly or close with you automatically know what it feels like to arc up or you know not really agree when you see headlines that are racist but for example if you didn't it's the connection isn't as um, sewn, I'd say. Like it's not something you just jump to. It's just something you're not familiar with. It's, it's really all about familiarity. And so definitely that that is one way if you feel particularly strong about, you know, overcoming this in your own personal circles. That's that's a really great suggestion as well. But I'm curious, girls, what's what's for the future of the podcast? You know, what, what are your plans? What do you really hope to achieve by continuing the podcast? I think we've already achieved so much in such a short amount of time. We actually amazed ourselves with what we've been able to do. But what's been um, keeping us going is actually receiving these messages and emails and DMs from from strangers all around the world. could be Australia, America, in Europe. And it's really humbling to know that people are tuning in and they're really resonating with the content that we're putting out and appreciating that. We're speaking about these issues that would never have been spoken about by anyone else, but they can relate to because they've grown up 
experiencing the same things as us. Yeah. And there's a very particular line in uh, some of these messages that really gives us the warm and fuzzies and that's, you've made me proud to be Asian and you've made me proud to celebrate my culture, like sing it from the top of the rooftops, that sort of thing. So it's been nice to hear that. That's what's keeping us going. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful. And I can totally resonate. Like every time you get an an amazing review or a a personal DM, or even if someone just shares it or just, you know, sends you a message on their thoughts. It's so empowering. And so for everyone listening, like really doing a podcast, especially like all three of us have full-time jobs. This is something we do on the side. It really is just to connect with people and spread a message that you can share in and amongst with others. So I'm, I feel really fortunate to be able to share your message on my podcast. And I want to thank you as well for educating me too, because quite honestly, it's not something that's top of mind. I feel quite fortunate to have been born by accident into a life where I am not subject to anything like that. And so I think it's so important to really understand and grow one's awareness, especially if we're going to talk about balance. You know, I think it's it's one thing to talk about your internal balance, but then you, at the end of the day, are a human in a society and you need to understand how that works and the issues that are rampant within it. So thank you so much for for chatting through, you know, a topic that I know is quite sensitive, is quite close to both of your hearts, but I love the podcast and I'll pop links to that in the show notes below so people can check you out if they do want to engage with you girls further. But do you have an Instagram or something as well that people can reach out to you on? Yes, we do. It's just at Crazy the Arch Asians and we share a lot of memes there. <laughs> Heaps of memes. I love the Come memes. There for the memes. <laughs> beautiful well thank you so much girls thank Thank you you so so much for having us (laughs) and that's a wrap for this week balances thank you so much for tuning in i hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today as always the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it or if you're on spotify you can click follow or an apple podcast you can leave a rating or review If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop. So you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam. We promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.